0: Hey, welcome to Free Indeed. This is the podcast where we get into the word, tackle tough questions, get encouraged, and have lots of fun. Let's go. We serve a wonder-working God. He's not ashamed to call you his child. God is for you, not against you. What was meant for bad, he can turn for your good. Hey, welcome to Free Indeed. This series is called Identity, Who Are You? And this is going to be part one of a six-part series. On today's episode, we are going to be covering the topics of righteousness, our uh, our reality in Christ once we're born again. And uh, some of my text is going to be from Hebrews 10 and Isaiah 53. Uh, that's where I'm going to start. So if you want to grab your, your Bible or your, your phone, um, we can start there together and then I'm going to jump around um, and i'll I'll mention where I'm at so you can follow along if you'd like um, I'm starting here because uh, it's it's probably the closest and and most important thing to me as a believer is my security in the Lord uh, growing up in religion and uh, years ago as a kid there just wasn't very many there weren't very many ministries or ministers that were out there enough to easily access their material that were grace-based and were not afraid honestly that they weren't afraid to just tell the truth and by that i mean the truth of how secure you are as a believer Uh, if i could say uh, we are probably we no we are the most secure people ever Um, and let me explain i'm not talking about emotionally we can be just as messed up in our emotions as anybody. I've been there. God's delivered me. I'm sure there's plenty of you out there too. You can raise a hand and testify, say thank you, Lord. I know what He's talking about. <laughs> and, and but part of the reason that, that you know uh, Christians can be just as messed up as anybody, emotionally and mentally speaking, um, is because of wrong beliefs. What you believe is very powerful. If you believe that even as a Christian you're just as uh, eligible to possibly quote, split hell wide open as, as someone else, then you're believing the wrong thing and it's not going to produce a confidence and a peace because if you adopt that belief system, then most likely your peace and your comfort is coming from a root that can be uprooted and it's not a stable foundation. Your your belief and your your rest and your trust is probably in your performance and whether or not you have confessed everything up to date, um, and it's probably based on the time span that you're you know not sinning and as long as Jesus doesn't come back in between your states of not sinning, then you'll be okay. But how shaky is that? Um, that's not that's not confidence. That's not surety. That's not a sure foundation. So today. We're going to be starting in Hebrews 10, and just let me read some of the text. For the law, verse 1, Hebrews 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered, year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It's talking about back in ancient um, times with the, the Hebrew children, you know, the nation of Israel, they had to make uh sacrifices for their sins they had to offer bulls and goats and turtle doves and all kinds of different animals you can go back to the old testament and read in um, leviticus and different different you know books um, there we'll cover more stuff like that later on the specifics Um, but they they had to be covered by the blood of someone something because they were not their own representatives unto god it was the priesthood And it was the blood of something else. And if I could pause really quick, even in the Old Testament, you can see so much mercy from God, even even as, as hard as it would have been, you know, if you're a Christian and you understand how arduous it would have been living in the Old Testament times, there is still a ton of mercy and grace because think about it. God wanted a sacrificial system so that he could still have a people. If he exacted vengeance and the payment of our sins from us, uh human- the you know humanity as we know it would have ended a long time ago <laughs> God is not interested in just wiping us out because we mess up If that were the case, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. The world wouldn't be here There would be no people to even judge because it would have ended a long time ago so anyway moving on to verse 2 for then would they have not ceased to be offered saying if if that system really perfect if i could offer a bull because of all of my sins or something uh, you know turtle does or a goat or whatever and that was good enough to justify me forever make me perfect before god and finally i can have a good relationship with the lord from now on then then this is saying wouldn't that have ceased to exist like wouldn't wouldn't it be one and done right because the worshipers once purged meaning once and for all and we'll get more into that in a minute because the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. Think about it. Think about what God is implicating here. The implications are, there He is thinking of a sacrifice system where you are not the one that needs to be uh, sacrificed or pay for your own sins. He's trying to find a way, and he did through Jesus. He has found a way to make one sacrifice forever so we can be purged purged of our sin purged of our filth be new, be clean think about when you clean something and it's it's really clean it's like it never happened right it's like it never got dirty you know um you know within reason and it says the worshipers should be purged and have no more conscience of sins so on top of being purged and cleansed God is not interested in us constantly thinking about sin and not just the sin you committed and feeling guilty all the time for, but he, he wants to get us out of this mode of thinking that, you know, my relationship, your relationship with God is all about sin. Think about it. If you had a close relative or, uh, you had a child or your parents or something and Think of how awkward it would be if the the main thing that was discussed and the majority of your relationship was just asking for forgiveness for, because maybe I, I sounded this way or that way, maybe I, I didn't enter your house the right way, or I'm sorry, you know, I had this thought about you last week or whatever, and just constantly all this negativity and junk and just think of, think of the, the lack of quality of that relationship. And it's not saying that you wouldn't love that person or, or the shoe were on the other foot. It's not saying that you wouldn't love them. They wouldn't love you. But think of how limited and repressed that relationship would be. And as much as you may love them, it's like, you know, you just bless their hearts. Um, you know, they don't get it. I love them. It's okay. And, it, you know, we don't have to talk about everything they've done wrong all the time. There's way more to this relationship than that. Okay. So moving on, verse three. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. So the fact that they have to keep doing this is a reminder to them that you haven't been perfected. It's 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 a limited thing. You have to do it. It's tit for tat. It's a sacrifice, person, a sacrifice every year. Um, And I think there's even like weekly sacrifices, and, and also like anytime you did something, hey. Had to go find some some birds, had to go find a goat or a cow, bring it to the priest, get covered, and then you're good again. But it's like, think of how awful it would have been if you had like a, a dirty thought or something on your way home from the temple of making a sacrifice. You're like, well, I'm glad I kept a, a pair of doves in my pocket because this, I knew this was probably going to happen. <laughs> you know, I have to go right back up there and, and get cleansed again. And anyway... Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. And we just covered that. It wasn't possible because it was an inferior thing. Uh, You know, animals are inferior to to humans, if you will. And you're using the blood of something lesser to try to atone for something that's greater. Verse 5, wherefore, when he comes into the world, talking about Jesus, he says, sacrifice and offering for sins you you wouldn't not, or or you, you don't want he's saying he realizes and he's making the point that god isn't he's really not interested in that but to make a statement to make a point in the symbology in the old testament of the sacrificial system he's saying for the time being that was kind of what was needed you know but in in the grand scheme of things god's really not interested or pleased with that kind of stuff and real quick while this came to me god is not interested or or pleased Um, It doesn't mean he's angry, but he's not, he's, he's not pleasured by you coming to him 50 times a day. Oh God, I repent, forgive me. Oh Lord, please cleanse me again. You know, it's great that you have a heart to serve the Lord and love him. Your heart is pure, but the, the incorrect belief again, there you have this belief that because maybe you made a mistake, you got in the flesh, or maybe you had an attitude or a thought that was a little more worldly than you would have liked to have had you feel like suddenly your relationship with God is non-existent and you have to create it or heal it again, patch it together again by you saying, God, I'm sorry. Now don't get me wrong. I'm all for saying, saying you're sorry to the Lord when you mess up, but it is way more encouraging to know and and healthy and healing to know that, you know what? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And Lord, I really am. And even if you, if you end up saying, God, forgive me, just, because it it helps you express, you know, you are sorry. But just so you know, you're already forgiven once and for all by the one sacrifice of Jesus. And I'm about to read that here. And God loves you and he's already paid for all of your sin. So you don't have to be freshly forgiven. There's no fresh forgiveness, if I could say that. Um, And and don't let that phrase, you know, uh, ruin your theology or anything. You get forgiven for your entire lifetime of sins, the first time when you get saved, and you spend the rest of your born again life being a forgiven person, a forgiven creature. Um, if you, if we can do a deep dive, labor into the Greek and Hebrew, I'm, I like that. I use Blue Letter Bible a lot. If you go into the Greek, the word "forgiven" is like a. a, a in, in that verse, it's talking about uh, it's like a state of being. You're in a state of forgiveness. Just like you're in a state of being human because you're in this body, you're in this world, you're a human being. The state of your existence is a human being. The state of a Christian is a forgiven being. You can't be any less forgiven than you can be any less Christian, and vice versa if you're forgiven you're a christian if you're a christian you're forgiven and that's just it the thing that needs to be adjusted and fixed and healed um, whether it's multiple times a day a week a month whatever it's your conscience that that needs healing cleansing constantly because our mind is not renewed that's why paul talked about we need our mind renewed daily we have to daily be in the word and that doesn't mean Sacrifice the rest of your plans don't have a job because you're just gonna sit cross-legged in a corner somewhere and Just do nothing but read the word and and live off of water and you know uh, bread or something (laughs) But anyway Okay, continuing on with Hebrews 10 Verse 6 In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure Verse 7 Then said I Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me Talking about all the prophecies, uh, Isaiah 53, where we're about to go in a minute, all the old prophecies and things, he's saying the the summation, the volume, the complete fruition of all those things is me, and I'm coming down knowing that you have no pleasure in other sacrifices, and I'm coming to do your will, O God. Verse 8, above, when he said, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offering for sin you don't want, neither do you have pleasure in them which are offered by the law. Verse 9, Then he said he, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Jesus is taking the first way of relating to God, doing away with it, and establishing the second, the final. He, he's doing away. Let me just uh, expound on this a little bit. If Jesus did away with the intensity of having to get up, go grab an animal, sacrifice it at the altar, and, and travel to the temple. You know, all this effort just to get to the temple, sacrifice your animal, have the priest check the animal out, make sure it's worthy of being sacrificed. All this stuff Jesus did away with. He also did away with mentally, emotionally, needing to come to God and, and wring yourself out every time you mess up. And and beg for forgiveness and wonder if if he really listened I mean if God would accept an inferior sacrifice And he did away with that system because he says I don't want it. I'm not pleased with it That's not my true will How much more do you think your your own version Of what you've been taught or what you believe or a a mixture of the two a a mixture of uh, You make your own sacrifices mentally and emotionally you think if I really feel awful this time I'll be forgiven again, and maybe that will give me the power to not do it anymore. The reason I, I go to those uh, examples is because that used to be me. Um, you know, just, again, growing up uh, for a long time without hearing the grace message and without hearing good, solid teaching about who I really am in Christ, which, by the way, produces a holier lifestyle in me way by, beyond what I used to do by accident. Meaning... On my worst day, when maybe I'm tempted to just, bleh, you know, and do whatever I want because I'm upset or hurt or I feel like the world is unfair. Even on those days, it is so much easier for me to live out who I really am, which is a righteous and forgiven child of God. It is way easier on those days because of the teaching and the truth that set me free. Free indeed. <laughs> uh, I'm free indeed. I really am free because when Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set, set you free. And he also says in another verse and who, uh, whom the son sets free shall be free indeed. And we know that he is the truth. So when you know him, when you know the truth about him and also the truth about you and how you actually relate to God, despite maybe faulty religious upbringing, it produces real lasting freedom, really. I'm, I'm a testament to that. I used to listen to people on podcasts and ministries all the time and I would be where you are listening and thinking, is that true? Could I be one of those guys one day uh, that talks about how free they are and they mean it and they're not just trying to sound cool, you know, so people can listen to them. I, I used to wonder that and thanks be to God. Here I am uh, trying to encourage you, trying to impart some knowledge and, and wisdom and understanding about, once you're a believer, who you really are, how God sees you. So anyway, getting back to my point, if Jesus did away with the sacrificial system, he also did away with your own version of a sacrificial system to stay right with God. Moving on. And every priest stands daily, verse 11, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And let me back up. I accidentally skipped the one of the two main Verses why I love Hebrews 10 so much verse 10 By the which will We just talked about how Jesus in the will of God completed the will of God by getting rid of the old sacrifice system and your Version of your sacrifice system, whatever that may be and by the which will God's will This is God's will by the way if you're wondering what is God's will for my life. Well, let's start here This is a good starting point by the which will we are sanctified which means made holier You're sanctified, you're made holy and clean and righteous and pure. Sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let that just sink in for a moment, really think about it for just a minute. Once for all, the will of God has been completed once and for all concerning your righteousness, your identity, your destiny, where you're going, when you leave this world whether you're here for the return of Christ or you, you know, you, you pass before his return. God's will has been completed in Christ once and for all. And his will, it starts out with you being made acceptable and righteous and holy. Not saying you, you're, you're not a God, but you're made clean and acceptable before God. And we know that God only accepts holy and righteous things, right? It seems like everybody has that built-in knowledge god is holy he's pure he's righteous he's just and therefore to be part of him to be accepted in his kingdom to be uh, pleasing before him you would have to reflect those same attributes right so it's cool it's amazing that he starts with this here that he starts with making sure you are as acceptable before him as he is because true righteousness and holiness can only come from him right so if you have true righteousness and holiness where did it come from god pretty simple if you just let it make sense like it like it does <laughs> verse 11 and uh, every priest stands daily ministering and offering the same sacrifices all the time that can never take away sin so again they're contrasting saying Here's God's will, but back in in the Old Testament, the way you used to have to stay righteous with God was these continuous sacrifices, which can never take away your sins. Verse 12, but this man talking about Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, again, there's that eternal stamp. Earlier he said once for all, now he's saying forever. For all forever are synonymous. So once this was done, he sat down on the right hand of God. His work was complete. You know, when you, when you sit down after your work, it's, you breathe, it's done. You're done for the day or whatever you've just completed. You're done. You sit down and you rest. That's what Jesus did. Verse 13 from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Let me just add in really quick. I believe one of the enemies that will be the footstool of Jesus is false teaching and false religion and false Christianity, if I can say it that way. And what I mean by that again is, is this faulty. So here, I mean, so far, hopefully I've done a good job of helping you understand you can approach God with confidence because of his will that has been completed already by Jesus. So it frees you From the need to try to complete something for God so that you can be acceptable. As a Christian, you start out with the free gift of righteousness that the blood of Jesus offers you that we just read about of once and for all being cleansed, being made holy, which would make you acceptable before God. You start out with that. So when you hear someone else, you know, putting condemnation on you, law on you saying you still can't eat shrimp or you can't eat pork or you can't do this that and the other uh, or else you're gonna go to hell um it's it's false it's fake they either know the truth and they are afraid to say it because they're afraid of you might go enjoy a nice you know fried pork chop dinner or uh which is delicious by the way um or that you know who maybe what was already in your heart and in your mind that you were somehow maybe holding back with just sheer willpower and and fear fear is a powerful motivator but we'll get into that some other time you know and then suddenly you f- you have freedom you may experience this season uh like i did where it it, it, get, it can get muddy it can get sloppy because you're relearning how to see this whole spiritual paradigm you're relearning the spirit world you're relearning who you are in Christ, how you relate to him. And there's gonna be mistakes. And when the training wheels come off, you're you're gonna fall and skin your knee, so to speak. And it's okay. It's okay because God is the ultimate good parent. He'll pick you up and say, try again. Keep going. Don't give up. Get back up. Get after it again. And let's try again. I still love you. You're still my child. What happened to you is not you. You are not what happens to you. You are not the mistake you just made. You are not falling off the bike. You fell off the bike, but that is not who you are. You are not a bike faller offer. (laughs) Uh, You know, you are not what you do. You are a child of God who sometimes is going to fall off the bike, skin your elbows and your knees, and you just got to get back up and remember who you are. And the more confident you are, the, the less you're going to fall off of that bike, so to speak. So, moving on. Verse 14. For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever them that are sanctified. This verse and verse 10 are the two powerhouse verses that really changed my you know, theology, if you want to use that word, doctrine. It, it's the truth. <laughs> that theology and doctrine don't exist when you're face to face with the truth it eclipses whatever you used to think does not matter right now in the moment of this glory and power i don't care even how accurate it was if it was just a little off when you're face to face with the truth everything else must submit to that truth this glaring evidential truth let me just let me just pair them up together verse 10 by which will we're sanctified or made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all verse 14 by one offering he has perfected you forever them that are sanctified so you've been sanctified and perfected now of course you're probably thinking okay all right I'm not perfect I'm not going there <laughs> I make mistakes I sin you know in fact I just I just came from a sin to listen to this podcast or whatever <laughs> um it's not talking about your flesh. It's not talking about your earth suit or the quality of your mentality, which would be a programming of you to be prone to certain sins or be prone to certain thoughts and patterns that would give way to a certain fleshly lifestyle, maybe depression, or maybe you're addicted to something you need to be free from. It's not saying that you're perfect in that it's saying your spirit, because our spirit was born again. We still have this fallen earth suit this flesh if you will i like to say earth suit just because it, it makes a clear distinction between the real me and this physical body that god gave me to uh, operate in this earth and then your soul your soul is your mental realm your emotional realm your personality your character that's why the bible also talks about restoring your soul uh saving your soul so you know your soul can be saved, but it could still need healing and restoration and adjustments. And let me explain. Let's say you have a, a precious diamond ring. It's maybe it's an heirloom. Maybe it was your great grandmother's or something. You it's that's obviously beautiful, right? And and you've saved it. It's safe with you. It's yours. You have it nice folded in a nice you know jewelry cloth and locked away in one of your special cabinets or something or drawers rather and it's saved right it's saved but it needs restoration maybe it has some scuffs on it maybe there's a little gouge out of the band that needs they need to put a little weld in there or something you know some weld some fresh gold into it or something polish it up polish get the grime off the diamond and make it look brand new so maybe maybe your your soul is saved but it it needs to be refreshed it needs to be restored it still has the value it just needs a little attention. It needs a little work. You know what I mean. So hopefully that analogy helped you with your soul. And getting back to the perfection again, it you could say, well, my soul or my diamond ring is full of depression or addiction or maybe, uh, you know, I'm attracted to some some taboo things that you know the Bible starkly warns against. Well, that's okay, because God can restore your soul. And again, maybe your soul isn't perfected just yet. And, and, you know, it, it won't be till heaven, if I could just be frank. We're we're always going through processes of adjustment and our spirit is perfected. And once we're in heaven, our consciousness, our soul will experience the perfection straight from our spirit. So, um, you know, we can delve more into, into the spirit, soul, body kind of teaching later, uh, but let that be a little appetizer for you. So obviously God isn't saying our bodies are perfect, our minds aren't perfect. We don't live a perfect life. He's talking about your spirit and the way God sees you is perfect. He doesn't have, you know, God goggles on. And as long as he has his goggles on, he sees you as perfect. And if he takes them off, he's seeing through his real eyes and, oh my goodness, who are you? No. When I say he sees you that way, he he doesn't need goggles. <laughs> he's God. His eyes are perfect and better than any you know metaphor you could ever think of he doesn't see through a lens he sees through his eyes and what he sees when he sees you is perfection thank you all for tuning in that was part one of identity who are you stay tuned for part two coming out soon and if this episode is blessed to you please feel free to email me at free show at gmail.com and remember if the sun sets you free you are free indeed